Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, Brian Davis here from Spark Rental. Super excited to be with you today. And I am very excited to be joined by Tom Dunkel of the Bell Rose Storage Group. Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Brian, it's great to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, we we were actually supposed to sit down last week, uh, but we had some some technical challenges, which is which is what happens when you uh, when you broadcast exactly. these sorts of things live. Yeah. Uh, right. So Tom is an expert in self storage investing, in syndications, in alternative assets, and alternative types of real estate investments. So without further ado, uh, Tom, let's let's jump in and rewind to the beginning of, of your real estate story. Uh, tell us how you got started in real estate investing uh, and in alternative assets in particular. Uh, sure, Brian. Yeah, thanks. Thanks again for having me. Uh, it's kind of a dangerous question because uh, number one, I'm I'm getting a little old, and number two, I tend to be long winded, but I'll try to try to keep it punchy. Uh, so I was a, a corporate finance and mergers and acquisitions guy in corporate America uh, for about 10, 12 years uh, until 2006, uh, when I actually got fired from my job uh, with a publicly traded company, uh, which actually ended up being uh, exactly what uh, I needed to have happen to me to really get me out and start me on my entrepreneurial career, which I had wanted to be doing anyway. But Sometimes it's hard to make that leap. And when you get, you know, kind of kicked in the rear and, and you have to pick yourself up and dust yourself off, you know, it's, sometimes that's, that's what it takes. But uh, I've been there. So that was 2006. <laughs> You've been there. Yeah. So uh, that was 2006. Um, I had always wanted to get into real estate. Of course, that was probably the worst time to, to start in real estate. Uh, however, uh, even though I pretty much you know, lost all the money that I'd set aside to start my own company, um, I did learn a ton and I uh, was able to uh, reinvent myself and, and connect with the right people and partners and get the right experience and the right education um, after the crash. Because, of course, I had a great career in corporate life. And when uh, I went into my entrepreneurial life, I was like, oh, well, this is going to be easy, right? You know, I've got an MBA from a great school. I've got this great experience with, uh, you know, top professionals in their industries. And so I, I figured it was going to be easy peasy. Well, I learned the hard way <laughs> that it wasn't. Um, so anyway, so I started out like a lot of folks do, doing residential real estate, wholesaling, rentals, fix and flips, that kind of thing. Um, but when the market crashed and I needed to reinvent, I pretty much got out of all those businesses and uh, I started buying pools of distressed uh, residential mortgages. And that business, uh, it was in kind of the right place at the right time. I connected with a great partner, Joe Downs. Uh, and we're, we're still partners today, 12 years later. And uh, that business really kind of took off over the years. Uh, we raised a bunch of uh, money from high net worth individuals. 
and uh, that helped to fuel our growth. And you know, to this point, we've in that business we've done over fifty million dollars of revenue. Oh, well. And uh, yeah, which has allowed us over the years to start doing some other things. Uh, so we started doing some hard money lending, which didn't quite work out for us, uh, but we learned from those experiences as well. And uh, we got into um, a short-term uh, vacation rental portfolio. Uh, so that's still running and that's that's been great, especially in the COVID era. Um, and, yeah. uh, but our primary business right now is self-storage. So we started buying self-storage facilities um, uh, really early 2020, um, closed on our first one in kind of mid-2020. Um, and like we do with our all of our businesses, whether it's the rentals or the distressed mortgage debt, we put our own money out there first so we can uh, learn the business, uh, make the mistakes, correct the mistakes, and figure out what works, what doesn't, and get the right team together and make sure we're, we're executing at a high level. And so once we kind of perfect those things, uh, then we go out to our friends and family, et cetera. And that's when we uh, start doing our syndications. So that's what we're doing today, Brian, is we're, we're doing uh, self-storage uh, syndications, meaning that we're, we're pulling groups of investors together uh, that are, and we're buying these uh, self-storage facilities, primarily in the Eastern US. Okay. All right. Well, there's so much to, to break down there. And it, it's funny that you yeah, mentioned some right. of the twists and turns along the way. Um, you know, yeah. we, uh, before we went live here, we were talking about how in most people's businesses, uh, you know, there are all these unexpected twists and turns and that you, what you mm -hmm. end up specializing in is not necessarily what you set out <laughs> to, uh, to thinking that your business is going to be. So, you know, I can certainly Correct. relate with all of that. So tell us, a little bit about self-storage investing, you know, the fundamentals of that business, the typical returns that you see, some of the risks that you see, because, you know, most residential real estate investors are not super familiar with self-storage as a real estate niche. Sure. Uh, yeah, great question. So yes, self-storage has always sort of been a little bit of a redheaded stepchild in, um, in the commercial real estate uh, space. Uh, but, Kind of under the radar, it's also been uh, one of the best performing or arguably the best performing uh, commercial asset class uh, out there for the past really 30 plus years. Um, we, uh, what we love about self-storage is uh, like, like all real estate, right? It's connected to a hard asset. Um, so unlike the, you know, the internet days and the dot-com bubble burst, you know, you actually have a hard asset that you're investing in. Um, by the way, I feel like we're sort of revisiting that whole time period with crypto right now. But anyway, <laughs> we'll save that, save that for NFTs. another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I'm not sure what people are investing in there other than, you know, these ideas. Like, And it reminds me, like I said, I was in investment banking in the internet bubble era and it was... Uh, I never understood what those guys were talking about. But anyway, self-storage, <laughs> I, I can get my head around, right? Because it's it's metal boxes with concrete floors and roll-up doors. It's it's, yeah. it's not a super complex industry. Uh, that's another thing that we like about it is it's, you know, people like to invest in things that they that they know and understand. And, are, and uh, so uh, when it's 
hard asset and it's an easy, pretty easy business model uh, that's cash flowing and we can get great uh, terms on our debt. You know, we're typically getting 75% loan to value loans. And of course, rates have been going up recently, but our rental rates have been going up faster. So sure. Uh, Inflation helps we, on that front. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, and people should be concerned about inflation. I mean, it's obviously eating away at buying power in a lot of different areas of our lives. Uh, but one of the things I do like is our rental rates across our portfolio were up 22% last year. Uh, so we're way ahead of inflation in that regard. Uh, the only question for the future is, you know, how how much are interest rates going to go up and how much are how much pressure is that going to put on on property values coming down? So that remains to be seen. I'm certainly not a fortune teller. I don't think anybody is. Uh, but I like where we are. Uh, we have a great operations team. So that's really what we're focusing on right now. Um, the, uh, for example, the delinquency rate in most self-storage facilities around the country is about 10%. Uh, across our portfolio, we're at about 3%. Um, and that reason is, is because we really focus in on our, on our management uh, key performance indicators, and that's a big one. And so we just make sure that we keep that low and make sure we keep the rental rates high. And that keeps the cash flowing for our investors. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned not having a crystal ball as far as, you know, what's going to happen to property values, but with income investments like self-storage facilities, uh, you know, property values dipping a little bit doesn't necessarily have to impact you as long as the, the cash flow continues to perform. Uh, so can you tell us about your typical returns on these facilities that you've seen so far? Now, I understand you've only been in this space for a few years, but uh, what do you typically look for and what, what do you want to see as far as returns among self-storage facilities? Yes, uh, and you did ask me that earlier. I just, like I said, I kind of start going off and I lost track of what yeah, the question. It's a uh, casual conversation around here. I know, exactly. But thank you for uh, for uh, bringing that back up because, of course, it's, returns uh, is the name of the game, right? And that's what investors are looking for. That's what I look for when I'm looking at other investments as well. Um, and so we're, when we're underwriting our, our deals, uh, we're, we have, we as the sponsors have a split of the deal and our, and our investors have a split of the deal on a, on a passive basis. And so when we, when we're doing our underwriting and our projections, we're trying to gear that uh, so that our investors are making a high teens, uh, IRR, uh, internal rate of return. And because people do like cash flow generally, we also pay a preferred return, typically in the six, eight, ten percent uh, range. And those payments are made quarterly. Uh, okay. And because sometimes people like to, they just want to see that that uh, that income coming in. Sure. And so uh, to this point, uh, we've been exceeding those projections uh, for our investors, uh, which we'd love to continue doing that. But like we talked about a second ago, you know, crystal balls are difficult. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're very conservative with our underwriting. And that's really from my training, you know, corporate in my corporate life, you know, doing the mergers and acquisitions and doing the corporate finance for these big public companies. Uh, that was what I did. I built the, the models that projected out the financial performance and so I just, I learned a long, 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 long time ago that uh, you really want to under-promise and over-deliver. So that's really part of the core values and culture of our company is we 
under promise and that gives us the ability to over deliver and sometimes when you're first doing it it's hard to under promise because you want everyone to think how great you are and you want to give them this great you're going to raise the money sales pitch the deal, yeah. with these yeah with these uh, you know these hockey stick returns and such but again over the years uh you know we've we've done it over and over and over again in, in all of our businesses uh we underperform under <laughs> underperform we under promise we over deliver and you know and the beautiful thing about that brian is our investors they stick with us our our repeat investor rate is through the roof and our investors they come they start out investing a little bit of money and then they they increase that over time and they bring their friends and they bring their family so we know we're doing something right because uh we're able to uh, generate those returns and, and get that those kinds of referrals from our, our our investors which is great we really appreciate that yeah and that that is key to uh, longevity in any business is the repeat yeah. business the word of mouth so we've, we've danced a little bit around this topic of where the market is headed you know potential for a recession so i've i mm -hmm. hear repeated time and time again that oh self-storage facilities they're one of the few recession-proof investments you know we should all be pouring our money into self-storage facilities so tell us mm -hmm. either why that's true why it's completely false or why it's partially true but but not as clear-cut <laughs> as the internet makes it out to be Sure, of course. Uh, yeah, well, like it, there's truth and and uh, you know maybe some caution to be thrown in there as well. But uh, we have in our investor deck, in our investor uh, pitch deck, we have a slide that shows uh, over the past thirty years. It shows the um, the uh, the GDP, right? So the the growth GDP growth, and it, of course, it's like a it's a crazy looking graph because of course we have boom cycles and we have bus cycles and booms and busts and everything in between. And then over top of that, we have uh, occupancy for self storage facilities going back to the eighties. And that line goes about like this. <laughs> so meaning that whether the economy, economy is booming, if it's crashing, if it's somewhere in between, people always have been needing a place to store their stuff outside of their house. And so that's why occupancy rates in self-storage have generally been between 80 and 90% on average across the country for that, that entire time period. Uh, so when people say it's a great, you know, recession proof kind of uh, asset class, I, I do definitely have to agree for the most part uh, but where folks can get in trouble is, um, and this is, again, some, something I've learned because I've been through some booms and busts, uh, when things were crashing, 08, 09, and 2010, a lot of folks were over-levered, right? And so they had too much debt on their properties, and they the cash flow dwindled, and they couldn't make their payments, and they lose the property, and the equity gets wiped out, right? Nobody wants that. And having lived through that and learned from that experience, we we definitely take uh, great measures in making sure that we can certainly cover our debt payments. But unfortunately, there's there are folks out there today who are continuing to pay very high prices uh, for facilities, and I'm concerned that those folks are going to end up in a bad place in another one two years as this recession uh, starts to rear its ugly head. And, um, you know, I certainly don't 
wish that on anybody, but you're, you're seeing it happen out there uh, where folks are taking on a lot more debt than they should. So that's certainly a risk in any kind of asset class where leverage is being used. Right. Uh, but that's definitely something that we take a very cautious look at because uh, that's, that's not, again, we're, we want to under promise and over deliver. We can't do that if we're pushing, pushing, pushing on the, on the leverage. So now I understand that Burroughs Storage Group only allows accredited investors, uh, wealthier investors to participate. Uh, but you know, a lot of our audience members are not accredited investors. Uh, do you have any tips for non-accredited investors uh, who want to put some of their money in self-storage, you know, how they might go about doing that? Uh, sure. Yeah. So while we certainly do look primarily for accredited investors, um, we do have the opportunity to include non-accredited investors on some of our uh, capital raises. Um, but in order to do that, we really need to have a pre-existing uh, relationship uh, with those folks. And uh, reason being, we need, to, we need to have a comfort level that uh, this person is going to understand the investment um, and they are going to be okay if, you know, if things go really badly and they lose their money, we need to know that it's not going to be the, the end of the world for them. Right. Um, and so we, we need to have those, uh, that comfort level both ways uh, before a non-accredited investor uh, would be uh, permitted into one of our opportunities. Uh, as far as how other folks approach it, I'm not really sure. Uh, but if certainly a non-accredited person, uh, might still be able to go and, and get a loan and find a self-storage facility on their own because there, there really are uh, all shapes and sizes of self-storage facilities out there, just like other commercial asset classes. My friend of mine that uh, he bought like a, it was like a 50 unit facility for, you know, a few hundred thousand bucks. So um, if you're not accredited, maybe that's where you start and hopefully things, you know, you run the facility well and, grow your wealth and then you can become an accredited investor which opens the door to a lot of other uh, a lot of other opportunities but you got to start somewhere so i would say i would encourage people to just you know if you're not accredited make it a goal to become accredited and um, and just start putting those pieces in place and getting educated and getting the right team together so that you can uh, reach that goal yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you are interested in investing directly in a self-storage facility, but you don't have any experience, you can always partner with someone else who does have some experience, you know, cut down the cash required for, for you to participate, get exposed to some uh, expertise in the process. Um, absolutely. So with, with Bellrose Storage Group, uh, what is the minimum investment for people to participate in your syndications? So our minimum investment uh, stated in our uh, documents is $25,000, but there's a little asterisk there um, because the, the myself and my partners, we have the ability to, to flex that number if we need to. Uh, I know uh, some folks, you know, maybe they're invested in other things, or uh, but they could uh, come in at a, at a lower amount if, if we had a chat about it uh, beforehand. Uh, but yeah, we're typically looking for $25,000. Uh, because our, our typical raise is in the about a million dollar range. So, you know, we don't, it, it'd be tough for us administratively if we, you know, just 
took on a lot of smaller investors, but sure. Uh, but we're also in the relationship business, right? So if, if someone came to us and said, Hey, you know, I'm 25,000 doesn't work for me right now for whatever reason. Um, can I, you know, kind of test drive you guys at, you know, 10,000 or 15,000, uh, you know, if, if we, if we had a chat about that and you got comfortable with us and we got comfortable with you, of course we would entertain that. Of course. All right. Well, so I've, I've put a link here in the comments to uh, BoroStorageGroup.com where, where people can learn more about what you are up to uh, and the investments you guys are making, um, you know, signing up with you guys. Uh, is there anything else that you want to leave the audience with uh, before we wrap up this conversation about self-storage, investing, and syndications? Sure, absolutely. Um, actually, it's it's broader than that, if, if I may, Brian, but... Um, Please, yeah. As I've, as I've kind of alluded to during our chat today, um, you know, I've, I've been around, I've been around for a little bit. I've had some great uh, experiences. I've also had some uh, great learning experiences where I've gotten my butt kicked <laughs> pretty good. So uh, what, what, what I've done is I've actually compiled uh, some of my, uh, some of the lessons that I've learned and, and put them into an, an, an ebook, which is available on our website. Uh, www.delrosestoragegroup.com. And you don't have to give your email or your name or your phone number, any of that stuff. It's, it's available uh, for anyone that wants to go grab it on the, on our homepage. And what it is, is uh, it's a resource for, uh, for folks to, to do their due diligence. So it's called safe investing, uh, reduce your risk and achieve your investment goals. And so what it is, it's a framework for people who are interested in alternative investments, whether it's real estate or lending or whatever else, uh, it gives a list, it gives a framework. So it gives a list of questions uh, in an organized format. And SAFE, as you might've seen, is an acronym, S-A-F-E. S is sponsor. So who's the sponsor? Who's running the deal? What's their background? What's their track record? Are they criminals? Uh, right. Are they wanted? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, so it gives a list of questions to ask about the sponsor. And the ultimate question, Brian, is can I sleep well at night knowing that this person has my hard-earned money? Right. And then it goes on to A, which is for asset. What is the asset I'm investing in? Uh, if they do a deal with us, they're, they're investing in membership interests in an LLC that owns a self-storage facility. And so it gives a list of questions about, you know, what is the asset? F is for financials and all the questions about what are the financial aspects of this deal? What are the, are the projections? Are they believable? Has the sponsor delivered these kinds of projections in the past? And what kind of returns can I expect? And then E is exit. How do I get out of this thing? Because it's not right. like you're going, you can go to schwab.com and click, click, click and get your money out. It's in a syndication deals like ours you know, your money is going to be tied up for two, three, four, five years. And so you need to know that going in and you need to also know what are those circumstances that have to come about to, for me to get my money back? And do I have any control over that? And how does that happen? When does that happen? Those kinds of things. So the whole, the whole point of all these questions is to just help people uh, with a framework to do their due diligence, because due diligence is very, very important. And what are the questions you should ask? And ultimately it's, can I sleep well at night, knowing the sponsor, knowing the asset, knowing the financials, knowing the exit strategy for this deal? So I encourage everyone to come to the website and uh, and pick that up. 
Uh, it's a fantastic resource. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, and that's that's very generous to be giving away ebooks without requiring email addresses or names or any of the stuff that most people <laughs> require for just wanna, when they give out. Just trying to products. add value. Just trying to add value, um, Brian. Well, Tom, thank you again for joining us today. This was a, a fantastic conversation, very eye-opening about self-storage facilities, alternative mm -hmm. assets, and uh, syndications as well. And uh, we hope to have you back here soon. I'd love to be with you again, Brian. Thanks so much. All right. Have a great week. See you guys next week. Bye now. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side. Yeah.